Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to Revolution. We have had a month, almost more than a month, off from Bryant Lake Bowl, and it has been a tough month. No one got the memo <laughs> that we're back. Well, a few people got the memo. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there you go. Um, I uh, This week, well, I just got back. I went to the fair yesterday. And then I went to the fair the day before that, so I'm feeling a little bit fared out. A little, is that fair? Hey, feeling a little rough because I went to the fair two days in a row. My son's birthday, we went. He turned two, and then my sister came in town, and she loves the fair, so we also went to the fair again with her last night in the rain. Cheese curds in the rain are the best. Fried cheese curds in the rain. I guess fried goes without saying at the fair. I started hoping that there was like a vegetable on a stick somewhere. I was just like, can someone just put broccoli on a stick? <laughs> I'd give anything for something healthy. And uh, so Karen goes back to work tomorrow from her leave. And I will have both babies to myself tomorrow, which is going to be exciting two-year-old and a 12-week-old. I keep saying she's two months, but she keeps aging, so. Yeah, so that's been crazy. So family in town, had a little birthday party for Milo, and it was really great, and uh, it's weird to watch little kids interact, and it's weird to be an introvert and try to handle that. But today, um, today I'm going to talk about Romans 1, and what some people call a clobber scripture. Um, it's the verse that a lot of people use against LGBTQ folks, if you're not familiar with the, the alphabet, uh, gay and lesbian folks. Um, and so I haven't done it, talked about it in a while, and it's kind of, something that I did for a long time when I was first, first came, took a stand as being affirming and an ally for gays and lesbians, bisexual, transgender, and queer folks. And I guess it's just something that I felt worth updating, you know, especially since we were dealing with the president being very anti-trans and uh, which is really sad sad to see people losing their their equal rights but so this is this is a little rough coming out of the gate I'll warn you so if you're here buckle up if you're on your treadmill right now you might want to slow it down <laughs> wherever you are as always thanks for listening um, Romans 1 21 now, one of the things you got to remember about the book of Romans is 
It's not a book at all, actually. It is a letter that was put in a book and, uh, <laughs> and been collected in a, as a group of books, but it was an actual letter to Rome. And let's see what it says. Romans 1, 21. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senses. Less minds were, sense, senseless minds were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Now that's something to remember as we talk about this. The, they, they were worshiping idols, basically, that looked like birds or four-footed animals, reptiles, or humans. Therefore God gave them up to their lusts of their hearts, their impurity to their deg- uh, the disregarding of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for lie of worshiped and served the creatures rather than the creator who is blessed for forever. Amen. Now, once again, worshiping creatures. This is, he's talking about fertility gods right now. Um, I've actually seen pictures of these fertility gods and they're, one is a human being with a hundred breasts. Um, one is like bird, animal man. But these, these, how he explains them, they really did exist. And uh, this is what different idols and different gods they were worshiping at a time. But fertility gods were something normal, uh, especially in Roman culture, but to be worshiped. Um, some people would actually even sacrifice their firstborns to fertility gods. Um, in really awful ways. So, also people would make cakes and phallic symbols. <laughs> so yeah, 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 they still do. Penis and vagina cakes, always delightful. Um, to for the gods, um, people would have sex with temple prostitutes, thinking that that was a way to worship the fertility gods. So there's different things that was going on here. It's not, and they didn't have a concept of what sexuality was at the time. You know, that's kind of a Freudian thing. We take that for granted. Um, But sexuality wasn't really a concept for them. For this reason, God gave them up to their degrading passions. Their women exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural. In the same way, also men given up natural intercourse with women were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received their own persons the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind and things that should not be done. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, contentedness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, dissent, craftiness, hate, gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious towards parents, whoa, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's decree for those who practice such things deserve to die, yet they not only do them, but they even applaud others who practice them. Now, I've had that one used against me quite a bit for applauding these practices. Now, 
what is this verse saying? I want to, I really truly believe, and one of the reasons I've never thought this was about LGBTQ folks was because I've always thought of this as being something for Paul was con- dealing with idol worship. But this is the clearest, hardest verse that goes against people who are gay and lesbian. This is the one that everybody likes to use. And I think if you rate it at a for face value, it's very easy to just take it as what it is, for what you think it is. It's just, this is it, this is how it is. But if you read the background, if you understand, if you go into understanding what he says, the images resemble mortal human beings, birds, four animals, that this was a type of worship, and they were doing this for worship. The argument is is that people who are who were doing this were heterosexuals who weren't gay or lesbian who were just doing this in order to serve this different type of God. Now that's, that's the, the argument. Um, you also think that there's things like malice and envy and murder and strife and dissent and craftiness and other things that they mention here. Now this is what I want to say is if, even if Paul was anti-gay what do we do with that you know even if that was paul's stance because that was a it was a tradition in judaism um deal with that well i would say that i would disagree with paul and i think it would be easy as that is to say Paul, I, I don't agree with you because the Bible has been built on an evolution of love, an evolution of a con- con- inclusion, and we constantly see that. Now, this is the thing, is that it's easy just to read chapter 1 and then just go, well, it doesn't seem very like good news. But it goes on. It gets better. Believe it or not. Because this was all a setup. This whole first part here is a setup. Now, this is why it's important to remember that this book of Romans is a letter, not a, you know, it didn't have chapters and things like that before. People would have read this all the way through. So it goes on to say, therefore, you have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge others. For in passing judgment on others, you condemn yourself because you think, because you, the judge, are doing the very same thing you say we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is in accordance with truth. Do you imagine, whoever you are, that when you judge those who do such things and yet you do them yourself, you will escape judgment of God? Or do you despise the richness of kindness and forbearance of patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So what he's saying is, you judge people for these things, yet you do the very same things that they do. He's saying you're no better when you judge. Now, that's a big thing. Because it was a setup. It was a whole setup for you to sit there and judge these people in this part, for this part of the letter, where to sit there and be sit there and judge them and go, oh, yeah, oh, they do that, and they're, oh, yeah, murders and strife and slanderers and gossips and haters oh yeah i wouldn't oh what bad people and then it says therefore you have no excuses whoever you are when you judge others what i'm saying is is you do the exact same thing 
Yet you sit there in judgment and say that you're better than them. Who do you think you really are? And uh, that's the point. We're not supposed to sit there and judge because what we're dealing with here is Paul is going over the old law. He goes on to continue, and down in 11 he says, For God shows no partiality. And then goes on into a little bit later, he says, you know, people do instructly what the law requires. But Paul is about to even hit us with something bigger. But I want to hit repentance for a minute. Because it says, And forbearance, and I mean, do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Um, one of our congregation members, Bob, gave me this book. It's by uh, Clarence Jordan. It's called The Substance of Faith. It's a collection of sermons. But this one is particularly good. Um, Jesus came preaching, and all his preaching revolved around one mighty fa- phrase. You remember when he had to go through temptation experience, it says, and Jesus came to Galilee preaching, change your whole way of thinking, for a new order of the Spirit is impending impending upon you. All his preaching was to get men to go through a process of what we call repentance, which is an awful translation of the Greek word menetona. You ready for this? Let me define that just a little bit. We have an English word metamorphosis, which comes from the Greek word meta, meaning to change, and morpha, meaning form. We're familiar with the process a little caterpillar will crawl along the dirt and leave and leaves, and finally the great forces of nature, the warm weather, the flowers, and all the beans to work to change and climb up the stem, get real still, and then something great begins to happen. He begins to split open his skin, and out of that little caterpillar emerges a fragile, beautiful monarch butterfly. Now this butterfly is equipped to move, and the spring breeze to go to the flowers. He equipped with long uh, reach down to get the nectar. The new order of spirit has demanded that the caterpillar change his form in order to be ready for demands that need that are impending upon him. That we call metamorphosis. Now the Greek metatona is almost exactly the same word, but we don't have an English word for it. It means to go through. Not the transformation of the body, but the transformation of the mind and of the soul that equips you for a new order. It doesn't mean to repent. To me, repent means to get sorry for getting caught at something. Now, that's for me grew what I grew up when I heard repent, or when I see a street preacher holding the sign that says repent. You know, um, a friend of mine who's in England right now was put up a big picture, and he's like, lovely to see an American here in England. And it was a guy holding up this giant, repent, turn, or you'll burn in hell. You know, lovely stuff like that. Good, good old-time religion. But uh, repent, to me, repent means to get, sort, get all sorry for getting caught at something. This is, what menotona, this is not what menatona means. It does, have one, it does not have one tiny little bit of sorrow in it. I really like this explanation. That's why I'm reading it word for word. The happiest, most joyful thing you'll ever do is menatonia. Would you say to a caterpillar, well, little caterpillar, you know, I sure do feel sorry for you. You're fixing to become a butterfly. It's terrible, man. And the little caterpillar weeps and moans and groans because it's fixing to be a butterfly. No, his birthday is here. He's about to enter into a new order that God Almighty has prepared for him. The happier things a little caterpillar can do is metamorphosis. 
And the happier thing that can happen to a person for the light of God to shine on them is for them to be taken out of the darkness and put into the new order of things. I'm just going to jump right on to a couple things I highlighted. It says, Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to things that demand a total change of your nature so that your old things pass away and all things become new. You've got a new name. You've got a new nature. You live in a new city. You sing a new song. Everything has become new. You're confronted with a whole new metamorphosis. But why? Because the God of movement is here. It's confronting you, and you must loosen your wings and fly in freedom. You're faced with the God of movement. That's why you need minotonite. And I hope I'm not, I know I'm killing that word. But the whole idea is, is it's transformation. So when we read, you know, do not, you do not realize that God's kindness means to lead you to repentance. It means do you not realize that God's kindness leads you to transformation. It changes us. It turns us from being people of malice, anger, strife, uh, changes us into something new. Well, what does it change us to? That's a good question, Jay. Why don't you talk to us more about that? Okay, I will. Um, let's jump forward in this letter a little bit to Romans 3.21. It says, But now apart from the law, righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attained by law and the, of the prophets and the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe, for there is no distinction since all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory, they are all now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement. You see, when we're looking at this stuff about passing judgment, wrath, the wickedness, you know, Paul is talking about the law. He's talking about the old law. He's talking about judgment in the law. Um, and now he's talking about freedom from the law. So you see, there is a metamorphosis that happens here in Romans. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's easy to do in one sermon. I'd like to maybe eventually just go through the book of Romans, um, which would require everybody to really listen for a lot of time, because I went through the book of Romans once with our congregation, and it took us, oh my gosh, I think it took us 20 weeks to go through it. So that was it's a blast. Because there's a lot of parts that are kind of dull. <laughs> Not going to lie. But I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting things for you right now. So for all have sinned, it goes on to say, all have fallen short of glory standard. Yeah, the glory. But they are now through justified through grace, the gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as sacrifice atonement. By his blood, effective through faith, he did this. To show the righteousness because his divine forbearance, he had passed over sins that previously committed and went to prove that the presence of time, he is himself righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. So saying justification comes through faith. It doesn't come through obeying the law. Um, the letter goes on further to say, um, clearly, it says, then what becomes a boasting? Is it excluded 
It is excluded. By what? The law? By that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. So you're free from the law. You're free from these ideas. There's no longer Jew, no Gentile, no male, nor female, nor slave, nor free. All that has changed. But the big setup at the beginning says, this is bad. These are ba- this is going to keep you separated. This is going you know, and this is saying all sin, all fall short. Not all have sinned, but all do sin. All do fall short. We're all there. Um, goes on and to jump over to Romans 5. It says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope and sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has given to us. So, there you go. We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access of this grace in which we stand and we boast in hope of sharing the glory of God and not that, but also boast of our suffering. Um, I share this the, this way in, because I, I believe that it shows the evolution not of just the text, but how the Bible works. The Bible is poetry, letters, all sorts of different things. And it constantly is moving towards inclusion. And Paul does this a lot. Um, in the book of Galatians, he starts out with, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? You know, just letting them have it. And then gets goes into, you know, grace. All about grace. It's all about love. It's all about being forgiveness. It's all about unmerited favors. Nothing you can deserve. Nothing you can do to do that so I hope one of the things we can get out of this is one that we can look at oh you know I wanted to share something about the Romans 1 in this gigantor Bible that I have Um, this is the new Oxford annotated Bible Um, third edition (laughs) and what it's I want to read to you what it says about Romans 1 about how people use this as the anti-gay verse. Its commentary says, Paul's Jewish contemporaries criticize a range of sexual behaviors common in the pagan world. Although widely read today as a reference to homosexuality, the language of unnatural intercourse was more often used in Paul's day to denote not the orientation of sexual desire, but its, but its immoderate indulgence, which was believed to weaken the body, which was the due penalty. So what he's saying is, is that they believed, especially in men, that if you cast out your seed, your semen, you lost life power, that that's what gave life and that's what brought life. They didn't know how biology worked. 
So they believed that the due penalty was is that you lost. It wasn't the due penalty was like God's cursing you and coming down and hitting you on the head. It's saying, um, no, you're losing life power because you're getting rid of all this life power. So that's another way that, to see it. Now, this is a, written by a philosopher, I mean, a theologian that's probably far more learned than me. So that's another way to be able to see what this is saying. Um, but I just want to be clear. We're looking at something that deals with temple prostitution, worship of foreign gods, um, fertility gods, and this, I firmly believe, is not speaking about LGBTQ people today as we understand it. It's just we're so far separated from it. But the English translations, how we look at it today, what we, you know, we just aren't able to contextually understand it. And you, you know, so if you, if, I heard a pastor, a theologian once say that if you use the Bible for being anti-gay or homophobia or heterosexism, you have a sixth grade understanding of the Bible. Um, I've also heard other theologians say that they read these verses and just think that they don't agree. And then they go on, right, you know, that if you follow what Christ says and the message of Christ, that there's more inclusion there than in Paul. I agree more with that this is wasn't Paul speaking about because uh, I'm Paulinian and I've studied a lot of Paul's preachings and teachings and I wrote a book about it. <laughs> so um, I, I, I think that this is just a very, un unfortunately, misunderstood passage in the Bible um, that people use to, to judge. I really wish I would have brought in my other translation today because it's, it's got a better, better translation of it and a better translation of the uh, part two. But I want to look at one again at repentance and remembering that repentance is metamorphosis. It's a change. Um, that in the Bible it talks about love leading to repentance and the good news leading to repentance. You know, that is a transformative thing. You know, repentance for me has always been just a change of mind or a change of heart or turning. And uh, that's what it's talking about here. But it's saying that that being judgmental is also the big issue. If you're judgmental, if you're sitting in judgment of people and saying, oh, what horrible people they are. Thank God I'm not like them. It's saying you're missing out on the change. You're missing out on the metamorphosis that God has for you when you sit in judgment. So that's something to, to hold on to is remember, we're not called to judge. I mean, I always... always love the fact that Romans 2 it kind of puts it on there therefore you have no excuses who you are when you judge others from passing judgment on another you condemn yourself because you are you are the judge 
you are doing the very same thing you say we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is accordance to truth. So he's saying you're doing the same exact thing. It's a setup. It's a setup to say stop judging other people. Stop judging each other. Allow change in your life and you won't have to. You won't have to focus on what other people are doing. I mean, it's really powerful, you know. But people always want to use Romans 1 to tear down my LGBTQ brothers and sisters and they forget to read Romans 2. They forget the, that it's, it's kind of a Paul setting something up here. And then once you go even further, that's why I jumped all the way to three and then over to five is because then you realize it's all about grace. It's not about these different works or jumping through different ideas. It's about being the only through grace is how that repentance happens. That metamorphosis happens is only through grace. And so when you jump over and you see, oh, okay, here I see this is about grace. This is more about this. And Paul gets further and further into that. And says only, you know, faith fulfills the law. You know, we can't fulfill the law by doing what's right or by judging other people or by doing that. Only when we have faith can we truly fulfill the law. So that's my hope today is that we're able to see how complicated the Bible is, but also how inclusive it can be um, if looked at, uh, at the bigger picture, not just in the small picture. So... That's what I got today. Um, I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll call it a day. Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy. Uh, thank you for your love. Thank you for all the folks here and folks listening. And uh, just ask again for your favor and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.